Hello, everybody. Welcome back. This is Julie Bates with the podcast, Training the Pointing Labrador, episode number 203. And in today's, I am going to answer uh, some listener questions, some of which stem off of uh, last week's podcast on preparing your dog to, to go to a professional trainers or just to enter more formal training. And I had a, some interesting responses to that. Uh, some people were terribly guilty <laughs> and just flung themselves, you know, self-flagellation on that. And, and that was never my intention. I don't want people to feel bad about anything. Um, it's just far more helpful if your dog is raised in a way that gears them uh, for the rest of their life. And then other people who basically did not um, agree with me, which is fine. You know, I'm just giving my experience and stuff, so I don't... I'm not saying this is how it is in the world. I could be way off on all kinds of things. But there's a whole theory of people who who do that. It's just a puppy thing. And to let them, um, some, and depending on the breed and, the, and kind of even the part of the country, some people like them to get a year old or two-year-old before you, you start stuff. And then others, you know, say, no, don't do anything until they're at least such and such. And... Uh, you know, we kind of go with what we've learned and what we, you know, what we were told and what we were brought through, brought up with. But I, I still feel, and in all of the podcasts that I do, I don't um, look at these guys like just little creatures that eventually I will intervene on what they're doing and, and mold them to what I want them to do. I've personally found that it truly is far easier if you first, when you are undertaking anything with any animal, you know, feline, canine, bovine, you know, equine, whatever it is, when you, if you really at first have a, a, at least a fundamental understanding about the nature of these guys. And dogs, and that's what I'm going to talk about because that's where I, I have my experience. Dogs of different breeds can be somewhat different. So you don't approach all dogs the same. They're not all the same. You just work with them the same, just like all people are not the same. You know, there's differences between males and females. There's differences between different, you know, people from different places and different cultures and different ancestry and all that. And it's very true with our dogs. And so what I talk about when I'm talking about raising a puppy, which I personally think is probably the most important time, um, just like with children, those first years, infant into toddler into, you know, a, a elementary school kind of kid, those things are so critical in orienting them for themselves and what's coming. It's just very important. It just takes a lot of energy and effort and thought to do that. And that's why I emphasize that a lot. And again, I'll talk about, you know, establishing neural paths. In other words, when we're born, when puppies are born, you know, they have the body function stuff all works because it's been working in utero and then they come out and it's working, you know, the pumping of the heart and all of that, that, uh, that stuff works and it doesn't need very much of your input on that. 
But as with all living things, they're going to come into the earth. And survival is probably number one driving force, number one motivation force is to stay alive. That's in all of us. And so that's their first thing. And part of staying alive is to figure out the system that they're in and how to best be in it. That's what they do. And in doing that, they are setting up thought processes in their head. They are setting up literal, physiological, neural paths. When you get this input, this is your output. They get all that then. And I, you know, I, people don't think about that. They, they just don't think about it. A lot of times you don't think about it with your kids. And certainly people don't think about it with their dogs. Instead, you've got this dog and it's there to meet needs of yours or someone's. And, and those needs can vary all over the place from an ego-based thing. You know, I want to have the greatest dog that anybody ever had in this, and I want to be the youngest this and the most pointed that and all that stuff. People have a big ego thing in which it is there to gratify your ego, and so your approach is going to be that way. And then other times there to, uh, and uh, this is always controversial, and I always wind up offending somebody, but a lot of people who have never had children that wanted children, this is their child. And so it functions not just as a dog, but also as the child that, and the nurturing and all that stuff that they do, whatever, how, however they look at that, very, very, very often. And even sometimes people with kids, <laughs> still, this is still their child. And so the dog doesn't get to just be what it is. It has to kind of be what it is and also be what you want it to be and, and do things that make you feel the way that you want to feel about it. So... That's a lot of what's happening, and I've always said, and again, somewhat controversial, you know, I'll say the vast majority of time when people use food and treats, it's because of how it makes them feel when they give it to the dog first. So it's in first to meet their needs, and then, of course, you justify why it's okay for the dog, which it really isn't, but <laughs> you justify that or you find a source that tells you, oh no, this is the way to go and this is the thing to do because the way you feel when you do that for a dog is, is your payback and that's, that's the thing. People who, I'm gonna, again, I'm just probably offending people right and left, people who spend, stay with the dog all of the time, all of the time, you know, they're, they have a, they're in a, their life is in a position where that dog can be with them, whether it's in the vehicle and then in the office and then in the house and then wherever you go and you only go to stores that let dogs go in and the dog is always with you, speaks more of the need of the person, certainly, than it does for the dog. Because if you, if you build that crutch into their life where they don't know what life is like without you, then at some point, which will happen when they are without you, it is going to be very difficult for the vast majority of them. And they don't understand it, and it's a bad thing. And it wasn't necessary to create this, this sort of crisis situation for the dog or, oh, separation anxiety, which they have pills for and, and therapists for and all of that when it's a created mostly, not 100%, mostly it's a created situation that then is addressed in treating the symptoms and not what the root cause is and that is you taught them that life is only with you around 
So that's why a lot of those things happen. But it's important that people, when you, when you get dogs and stuff, at least um, awareness of the nature of these animals and what we're doing. What, what we're doing. And this goes for everybody. This goes for me. I train a lot of dogs every day. I have for a very long time. And I still find myself sometimes based on something going on in my life that determines the nature of my interactions with the dog that day. And if I am aware of that, at least I can. That gives me a little bit of a, an edge to be able to make sure that I don't take out my angst on them or I don't incorporate that into our training. That's hard to do sometimes. Or that I'm not just using them to occupy my time because I can't be over there. I don't want to see this. Oh, so many things on somebody who's aware of this. So I think when people are not really aware of this, this dynamic between themselves and their dogs, it can be a little bit, it can be a little bit difficult. When, and to address those people that say, I don't, you know, a puppy should be a puppy. Well, a puppy is a puppy. So <laughs> you don't, it, there's not a should thing in there. But if they're saying a puppy should be a puppy means no discipline, no response, no respect, no, uh, function, no purpose, just enjoy life because pretty soon we're going to get serious, then they're forming all the neural paths that, hey, life is just a big old circus. It's fun all the time. That's all you do. And then suddenly you change the rules and different kind of dogs react in different kind of ways. Some can adapt and go with it. Some have enough interest in what they do that they can continue with that. And others are really troubled by it because they don't have the ability to just kind of adapt on the fly and go with the flow. And so that's a very difficult thing. So in terms of, and I want to address the let a puppy be a puppy. Uh, really want to address that one. Because uh, particularly the kind of dogs that most of my listeners have on here, I know I have a lot of different things, but they're dogs that people have for a particular reason. They're, they're going to be functional dogs. But I'm going to tell you, this goes for any dog in the world. These animals are not put on here for our enjoyment. I, they kind of are. But that's not the ultimate purpose. Hey, I need to be happy with whatever you're doing. If you have an animal, if you have a dog, and you truly do care about it, if you just care about what you're getting from it, then, you know, don't listen to my podcast for anything. But when you truly care about them, one of the things to know and understand is that these little guys, even the little guys, are most healthy, most uh, uh, mentally healthy, physically healthy, and most amenable to whatever life things you have going on if they feel that there is a reason for their existence if they have a purpose and a purpose that identifies with that breed and what they're meant to do and what their ancestors have done. A purpose. Every living thing in the world is going to be, going to be more, uh, feel more valued and feel more meaning in just being alive if there is a purpose for them. If there is something for them to do that benefits them and the, and the system that they're in, that they contribute, that they gain something from that, and that they are valued and a part of that. 
That is the greatest gift outside of keeping them alive, sheltered, and well-fed. <clears throat> That's the greatest gift we can give these guys. Also human beings, I think. But when you have a puppy and you just let it do whatever, and you just keep it busy and you keep it active and you give it a lot of toys and you make sure it has nice beds and all, there is no purpose in that other than being entertained. And if being entertained is what they think the world is all about, you're going to be pretty busy all the time because they're going to get bored with this whatever and want need something different and new. And that's not, we don't have children just to have them be entertained. I'll just give them whatever they want and I'll make sure that they can look at a screen whenever they want to and that they get, I, I just, that's not the purpose of, of, of kids. We've got to groom them for the world they're going to live in and what they need to do and hopefully get able to take care of themselves. And with animals, the greatest gift, the greatest love you can give these guys is purpose. And yes, even for puppies, even for a 10, 12, 14-week-old puppy, they can begin to develop a sense of purpose. And it isn't to entertain you. It is to find a reason for their taking breath every day. And so for most people listening to this, we have hunting dogs, we have retrieving dogs. Again, that's what I'm going to bring in the retrieving. They need to go, all right, I'm going to take the walk every day. That's the biggest thing you do on a little puppy. Okay, little puppy, it's just you and me. And we're going to go out in the open space or the, the you know, wildlife area, and we're going to walk for 10 or 15 minutes, whatever they can do. And this is your job, is to go with me and explore this area, but stay with me, learn to pay attention to me, learn to, that you're connected with me, and also learn about the natural world. Okay, that becomes a thing that is the highlight of their day. And when that is, as I've said a hundred times, if that's the highlight of the day, then that expands. Those thought processes, those things that they learn, their pleasure in doing that with you expands. And then if also for our retrievers, you have a little bit of time where they do two or three retrieves out and back and they understand, God, there's a way I have to do this. There's a way I need to do this. And that's how I get to do it three times instead of just once. If I go out and come back, then we do it again. And they begin to develop a sense of, of reason for being here and feeling that they have a thing to do and then beginning to develop the mastery. That's the greatest gift you can give your animal. Not how many toys you bought at PetSmart and how much, you know, many things you have for it to, to chew on. That, that stuff's important in the part of the development of a puppy. But the greatest thing is that sense of purpose, that there's something that they're here to do. And they get very serious. I don't know how many zillions of people who have done this, trained their dogs well, and, and you know, all I have to do is get out the pair of boots that means we're going to go out in the field dog is like at the door at the door good we're going to go do our thing they are they are going to do something your boots signal that they get to go do this and that is a big happy you know or you get the gun case out or you open the gun safe or you open the back of the truck or whatever it is or you put the crate in there and they just are immediately intensely focused on what they're going to do that's a happy dog that means more than than you know all the toys laying on the living room floor or the time you spent mindlessly doing things with them because you're trying to drain their energy because you think that's what they need and what they need is that oh, we're going to go do this thing and they get better and better and better at it all the time so 
to all the people that were, you know, questioning <laughs> whether I'm being just a little bit silly about this stuff or the people that feel ter terribly guilty, understand about your dog that sense of purpose, just like you have. The happiest people listening to this are the people that are valued somewhere, that are important, that contribute, that are appreciated, that are given educational opportunities. Those are the happy people. And those are the happy dogs when they have all of those things. So that's the purpose of that. So even if you don't send your dog off or you don't even formally train your dog, there is no downside to teaching them that you have a purpose and you have a job. And, you know, you can lay around the house and play with the kids and do that stuff later. But right now we're going to go do this. And it becomes something that gives them, again, great meaning and great value. And there's a lot more to these animals than them just being entertaining or fun or something that just loves you unconditionally. I always, I always, I always hear that and see that. Oh, they love you unconditionally. And I'm like, I, I'm not sure it's, if that's what you're in this for is unconditional love because you're not going to get it anywhere else, then I guess so. But that sort of ignores if you love that dog unconditionally, then you would be reorienting toward giving them a lot of purpose and meaning and education and challenge and opportunities to think and grow and expand. Um, that would be your unconditional love for these animals. So I'm going to leave it with that, and I'll, I'll try to move on on that subject. But it's, I think, of critical importance. I, I raised my, my little wiener dog. You know, I talk about retrievers on here, but I, I have my, my dachshund who I've raised exactly that way. I think, oh, heavens to Betsy. This dog thinks her purpose is hanging around with me a lot of the time, being quiet when you're left alone. But when we go certain places, you know, we're hunting for bunnies. We're hunting for mice. Now we've learned about lizards here in uh, the summertime, so now we hunt lizards. Then she saw prairie dogs the other day driving over to training, almost had to keep her from flinging herself out the window. She thinks she's here to rid the earth of unwanted creatures and, and also eat them. So I've given this dog this purpose. She knows this really identifies with her core inner self. And at the same time, she has to come when called. And when it's downtime, downtime. Zip it. Don't be making noise. And, you know, just get put away for now. And so she just understands that how it is. That's a teeny tiny little winter dog. And it can go for every kind of dog in the world if you give them their real purpose. And also lines in the sand, structure, this is how you do it, this is tolerated, this is not. And we're kind of, we're not equals, but we kind of are. I do my thing, you do your thing. Um, we both carry our weight in this, and life will be good. And just an important thing to realize about dogs. And if it's... But that requires a lot of awareness and thought. And so that's, you know, everyone's busy. Life is hard. Oh, no, I want the dog just to be the happy place. I don't want to have to think about all this stuff. And so if you don't think about all this stuff, your dog never learns to think about the stuff that they need to do either. So that's the kind of the soapbox in response to a lot of comments I got on that one. The next thing that I, I want to talk about is based on a conversation actually two conversations, but one that I had very recently with uh, a, a good friend who's has a family member who is a, a vet. And we were talking about the snake bites and how often they have to treat dogs for snake bites and stuff like that. And um, 
the comment that he made that his family member had made was how many, as a vet, uh, euthanasias he had to do. That wasn't why I went to vet school and wasn't why he's in this, but it was such a large, large part of uh, what he does all the time, having to put dogs down. And so then we were just in a big conversation uh, about dog and breeding. And I don't know how many times, now I'm, this is a soapbox for me, how many times, you know, everybody wants to breed their dog. They want to breed their dog when it's like, they want to plan on breeding their dog when they have a four, five, six month old puppy. You know, it's like maybe find out if the world needs more of this. Does the world need more of this what you have? Now, if you have a love affair and it's your dog and the, you learn to become a good trainer with it and you've traveled and done all these things. And so, yes, I want, I don't want to lose this connection. So I want a puppy from this dog. I understand that. I have never, ever done that in my life. Um, but I understand that, that connection. But if you, you know, and some people have phenomenally good dogs. You know, I'd say, gee, G's mom. You know, though, yes, the world could use more of dogs like that. G's dad. Um, Z's mom, you know, I wish she could have made more puppies than she ever made. The world needs more of what some of these dogs have if done correctly and put into the right places. But that's not what generally has. Somebody has a, a you know, cute little dog and they like it and it does everything real well. They really don't have a frame of reference. Is this a phenomenal animal? You know, is it a clean animal? Is it quiet? Does it learn? Is it, does it have all these traits? They just love this dog and so they want to breed it. And then, so you either, you know, go find the fanciest dog out there to breed it to, or you do it with your, you know, brother-in-law's dog or whatever. And there's just dogs and dogs and lots of dogs. And then you place the puppies if you can, and you advertise on the internet for the ones that are left. And many, many dogs. And I know some people make their living making dogs. I get that. Um... I, I also chose never to do that in my life either because I didn't, that's just not a thing I could do. That's, it's not unethical. I just don't want to create life to make money. Uh, so I never, ever, I, I never became a breeder. But I, I just think many times when, when people, men, the majority of time I'll even say, when people have litter puppies because they just love old Fang so much and they got to reproduce Fang, even though Fang might have, a, you know, uh, a few issues, you know, he gets allergic reactions real quick, he gets hot spots easy, he does this or that, you know, or, oh yeah, he was really hard to force fetch, but, but uh, now he's good. And so you have all these animals that are okay, but it's your connection with them is the reason you're reproducing them. So then you make, you know, four, five, six, seven, 12, 13 puppies out of that. Some get into good homes, some get into, oh, some get into a home where now there's a big, you know, crisis, death in the family, divorce, something, nobody wants the dogs, and then you go to the rescue, and it, this thing just cascades and cascades and cascades, and some happy endings, and but there's a lot of endings you don't know anything about, and those things grow and grow, and so you have vets that have to euthanize a lot more dogs than they ever want to, shelters, uh, you know, that can't they they either have to accept no more dogs or they have to get rid of the unwanted ones and keep going it actually is a huge huge thing out there and those of us in the performance dog world we don't 
talk about it. We don't really deal with it. You know, we got high-end dogs and we got all this stuff. And we are also contributing to that world as well, you know, by by breeding one just to make money or two. Yeah, no, that's a good dog and it's not as good as many, many others. And the ethics thing, do we need more of this? And I realize I'm opening a can of worms with this. Um, but I don't care. I've lived by what I believe in. I, I don't, you know, I don't do that. And I'll tell people, yeah, does the world need more of this dog? <laughs> and of course, they think so because they love it so much. So um, that's just a little bit of a soapbox thing. But I, I certainly wish people who are reproducing animals would be aware that even with the best of intentions, downstream, whether it's that generation or the next or the next, there are going to be unwanted animals. And even though they're purebred or whatever, they're still going to be unwanted. And so there's many, many poor outcomes because somebody just really likes uh, breeding the dogs. And then also when you breed the, the average or subpar dogs, um, and just because you breed to one of them is a big superstar and the other one isn't, you're going to dilute everything good with that. Almost never, unless you have some prepotent animal, does that ever work? And so I just wish that, that uh, there was a huge education program on breeding and it's uh, the health things, the health things, which is one thing everybody does look at far better than they ever used to and a lot of requirements now by AKC and all these organizations to do it. But also the, the trainability the uh, good nature versus the kind of meaner fighting on there. There's a lot of retrievers that'll get in a fight in a heartbeat if you let them. There's a lot of aspects to animals other than just all the genetics. That's, that's the single most important one, but right up there with that is their personality, their intelligence, their ability to be trained, their talent at whatever it is you got them to do, whether it's the hunting, retrieving, pointing, the herding, whatever it is. So I would just, I'm just going to throw that out there for people that have stayed with this this far, is that breeding is, is reproducing life and then creating life that may wind up having not a good life at least should be taken uh, extraordinarily uh, significantly, I think. And so I'm sorry for all the euthanasias that happened today because there will have been thousands and thousands of them. And I wish just people had to remain aware of that, even when they're over here in the fancy circles that many of us are in. So that's today. First day of summer. Happy summer to everybody. Uh, busy hunt test season. We're all kind of past the COVID stuff in terms of being able to go out and do these things again. And that part's real good. I hope everybody in the meantime stays free of COVID and safe and healthy and happy. And uh, I'll be back soon.